Hello everybody and welcome to the Late Flag, the aftermatch podcast for the LFC Red Poets. Tonight we look back at what happened in the brilliant day at Wembley yesterday when Cops Kids beat the Chelsea Millionaires by one goal to nil. I'm your host Les Lawson and I'm joined tonight by Tom Keegan, Pete Warburton, Ben Kent Jr and Mike Wilson. So... What a day it was yesterday, and we'll start at the set and get opinions about what happened from the team news right through to the celebrations. And I'll start with you, Pete, on this one. You know, you were down at Wembley, so rather than sort of go through the team because, you know, it virtually picked itself, what was the feeling when you heard that, you know, there was no Sabaz, um, Darwin or Mo? You're not even fit enough to be on the bench. Yeah, we were in the pub. We having a couple of drinks before we got the train into Wembley, and so it was it was pretty early. It was about eleven o'clock or something like that, or half eleven maybe. And this lad said at the bar, "Oh, this is the team." And I said, "I said to O'Brien and Jack, I said, <clears throat> you can't tell it's it's too early for that." But he more or less got it spot on. So I don't know who leaked the team out that early, but. I asked about the bench and he said, no, Mo's not there. Nunes is not there. And I thought, Christ, I expected maybe one or both of them to at least be on the bench, fitting up the bench duty, you know. So, um, not so much a disappointment because the amount of injuries that we've got, you can, you know, you can, you can, like you say, sort of second guess the team yourself. But I think we were thinking there might be a little, you know, a couple on the bench as back up. Um, you you know you might put in if need be, but it was only Joe Gomez possibly on the bench, uh, Quanza and Simicast, and then the rest was a, a smattering in the kits really, you know. But um, yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't a feeling of disappointment. It was just just a feeling that we were we were more hopeful maybe that uh, the likes of Mo and Nunes would be fitting up to um to get on the bench, but obviously the medical team. Um, they probably have the final say on all this, and the last thing you want is is for someone to come back too quickly, and then break down again. So it, it, the team was as it was, sort of thing. And then, as I say, the bench, the bench was just full of uh, full of kids, um, which has been said so many times since the final whistle. But that's how it was. So it wasn't so much a disappointment as a um. We sort of second guess the first team. I, I honestly thought either Mo or Nunes or both might have been fit enough to to partake, and I thought that was the reason they were left out uh, of the Luton game to give them more chance of getting fit. But um, no, I mean everyone was everyone was up for it down at Wembley. It was fantastic. I think Ben went down there as well, and the atmosphere um, was like most others prior to the game, one of um, quiet confidence, you know. Tom, you, you were on the phone to me um, just as the team was announced and it was, you, you seemed a little bit deflated when you when you actually heard there was no, you know, none of them were, were fit enough to to be on the bench and you sort of, and your words to me, I think, when we, um, when we finished the call was that we're going to do well to win this, Les. Um, so what was your, what was your feeling after you'd sort of, you know, took a few minutes to, to sort of, you know, take everything in and 
and calm down a little bit if you like. I thought I thought when we looked at the when we looked at the side, I like Peace, I thought that we would have had one of them on the bench. I thought one of them might have been on the bench and one of them might have started. But when it come out, it become out the you know when I think we why we were at one I think when why we were having a little chat was because the pitches had come up from Wembley and there was no sign of of Salah or Nunes around. And I think it was then that the realization that you think, God, we're gonna go into it with like with the you know, like the bench that we had and all the all the young players. And then you're thinking all all of a sudden it's gonna be a big ask you. And I think one of the things what I was saying to people at the time, I think I think something got tweeted that I said every player's got to play an eight out of ten for us to sort of to, to turn that round. And I think I think to be fair to the lads, I think I, I think more than I think everybody did reach an eight out of ten, but I think there was two or three players who reached nine and ten. To be fair, to fair to them, and I think that was the. That was the difference for us, Les. And I think, like, like I suppose, like many people, when you see the side, you thought it's going to be a big ask on an open pitch for all these young kids, you know, to come in. And if some of them was the first experience of being at Wembley. And, you know, like, so I think once everything calmed down and the game started off, you felt a little bit more confident because Liverpool started really well. Yeah, Ben, it was Tom's right there, isn't he? You know, the you know, we're all open that at least one of them are gonna be fit enough to to be on the bench. You know, and when you know and hopefully more than one. You know, and when you sort of you know, you see the team, it does it does give you oh oh no, one of those moments really. And you're looking and you're thinking, Well, you know, we've got the kids and um you know, if if needed they're going to have to stand up and be counted. So it was, there's no use denying that it did deflate people a little bit, but we've got such confidence in Klopp and the, and the squad, haven't we, that you tended to think that, you know, you know something, this might be all right. Yeah. <clears throat> so me and my dad got into Wembley yesterday at about one o'clock, um, which I think is the earliest I've got into a ground for absolutely decades um, but we were a bit worried about like the ticket situation, the fact that it was all on your phone and stuff. And there's been issues with Wembley in the past, so we got in nice and early. Um, and like Tom and Pete have said, it was a bit deflating that Mo and Darwin. I didn't think Sabazlai would make it. I know he travelled down, but I didn't think there was any chance. I think that was more of a a hope rather than an expectation. But I did think that one of uh, Darwin or Mo would have started. That was my prediction on the train down on Saturday. I was convinced that one of them would. And I said on the show the night the other day, if I had to pick, it would have been Mo. And I, it, I'd still, I would have loved him to start. Um, but yeah, when the te- when the team news came in, um, I wouldn't say I was deflated. Um, I was gutted. I was more gutted for them because obviously it's a final, isn't it? And we've been lucky to to get to a few of late, but you never want your best players, the likes of Mo Salah and Nunes and whatnot, to, to miss a final, because you never know how many they're going to play in. Um, and obviously Mo, for everything that he's done for the club, deserves to play in every final he possibly can. But when I looked at the team and then I looked at the Chelsea team, when you actually analysed it, 
our starting eleven, I thought was better than theirs. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't scared in any way. I just thought, and I said to my dad and the lads I was with, we probably need to win this in ninety minutes because when you look at the changes that we could have made, that was only rarely uh, the Greek and um, Joe on the bench that could have made the. Um, a change that you would you could rely on in a big game. Um, that's the way I'll wear it because these kids are still as good as they look. You never know what they're going to be like in a final. The 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 occasion could get too big for them. Um, but yeah, I said to my dad, we 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 can do this, but we need to do it in ninety minutes, and that just shows what what Jürgen's done for the mentality of not just the players but the fans as well. Because imagine this under Rafa. Um, who I absolutely loved when he was Liverpool manager, but he would have gone um, and blamed injuries the week before the final. And that narrative would have been written, but it's been the complete opposite with Jürgen. It's like, as long as we've got 11 players, we're going to go for it. And that's exactly what it should be like. These kids are good enough. It doesn't matter how old they are, they're good enough. Um, and they, they proved it again yesterday. But I tell you what, they, one of my favourite things from yesterday... <laughs> I'm not sure how injured Nunes is, you know, because that video I've seen of him running around, like he does not yeah. look injured to me. Um, so I, I I expect him to play in the next game. But yeah, just happy to be there. The team was the team when it was announced. I'd already had a couple of beers, so I was just enjoy, ready to look forward to another cup final. Mike, it, was, it wasn't only, you know, the three we've mentioned, but no Trent, no Jota, no Curtis. So, you know, it really was a depleted squad, wasn't it? And it just shows really, doesn't it, that, you know, how much face Klopp has got. I mean, you know, in the young players, and so not only, you know, after as part of the squad, but also use them when he, when he feels as though, you know, it's necessary, you know, to use them and use them at the, at the right time as well, which we'll come on to later. But but what the point I'm trying to make is sometimes we as fans, and, you know, I watch a lot of the under 18, under 23, so I know the potential of some of these lads, but some match-going Reds, you know, openly admit they hadn't heard of any of these lads like two or three weeks ago. And now all of a sudden, you know, the, the part of it, a cup final squad against a, a club that spent a billion pound or more. I think um, I think that's one of the best things about this game. This this game has probably done more for this club than than even the Barcelona game. It's probably done more long term for this club. I wonder. Ben mentioned it. Nunes running down the way he did. I wonder whether he's just gone. Do you know what? I'm going to save him for the league. I might give him a bit of a subs appearance against Southampton or whatever, but I don't have to play him here. I've played the kids all the way through. I, I, I could. I wonder whether he could have played some of these guys, but just decided. Do you know what? The league is the biggest priority, and I'm not going to take any risks whatsoever with them. I, I, I reckon Nunes. Uh, he's probably had a right telling off for what he's done since uh, there. I didn't even notice in that in that video. 
Salah got stampeded, didn't he? He, he, he well, got out of the seat. Next well, thing you know, it, it was Jones. It was Curtis well, Jones. He nearly pushed him down the well, stairs yeah. to get on the pitch. He was trying to walk down with his crutch. Yeah. Poor yeah. Yeah. He's getting But it was just... It, 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 it's, I, I mean, I, I personally didn't think all three would play. I thought it might get one at best. Um. Yeah, it was a bit nervy, but I mean, it just shows. It just, and we'll talk in a bit about some of these kids. Some of these kids were just quite superb, weren't they? They all were. Uh, Pete, Liverpool started off the game really well, but the first significant save really was a magnificent save from Kelleher and, a, and, an, even, and an even better block from Endo. Yeah. I mean, it, <clears throat> without going right through the game, but I will say it now. It's sort of been at the final from two years ago. Kel's made some great saves in that game as well. But yeah, we started off pretty well and, and we were controlling the ball. Um, and Endo in the midfield was sort of just getting things ticking over in the number six position. And we looked really comfortable, you know. And then, like you say, I think anything that was going to come from Chelsea um, was really on the break. They, they, I'm not saying they were sitting right back, but they weren't too intense. And having a go at us, and then as I say, you know, Kells makes makes a, a, a save. I think throughout the match, he, he probably made five or six really good saves in the end. But um, yeah, it, it, it's just we started. It, it didn't knock us out of our stride. The thing that knocked us out of our stride a wee bit was was the assault on Gravenberch. To be honest, because up until that point, I thought we had more or less the control of the game. You know, um. And it wasn't overly cagey in that respect. There was no, no real chances if you want to, say, you know, we want to say that. But it was we seemed to be totally in control. And then, and then when called upon, like you say, Callaghan makes a, a good save, and then there's a block. And then you must think the Chelsea, the Chelsea fans are thinking, Christ, there we go again. We've got this lad in goal. He's going to stop everything. Um, but yeah, it, it, as I say, I think the thing that in that sort of interrupted our flow, if you want. Was uh, when when uh, Ryan had to go off with that bad injury. Tom, I'll come to you next. And I want you to sort of give me your opinion on the on the tackle on on Grav and also the the role the officials played in in not actually doing anything. Well, do you know what's funny? I I messaged you didn't I at half time and we were talking about about that all the way through. He, he he obviously didn't see it. He obviously didn't see. He didn't give a free kick. So he obviously. So he was. He just seen him go to the floor and played. A, he played. He played on, which I think it was a Gapco who else got kicked as well further up yeah. the field. And Gapco was laid out. And then when he looked down, he goes turns back and then goes running back towards. Towards Ryan Gravenberch because he's still on the floor, still rolling round. So all the way through, he was down for ages, and the, and they're working on him. And then when they when they slowed it down and showed you what had happened to him, you realised that this was this was a red card. It was, and if if we're going by McAllister getting sent off, if we're going by Curtis Jones getting sent off against Tottenham because his, his foot rolled over the ball and caught him. If we're going by this, the, the criteria that's been followed all the way along, then 
that's a red card. But all the way through, while he was down, I think he was down for three minutes or so, three or four minutes. All, all the way through, on the TV, it kept saying, the, the referee is asking the John Brooks what's happened. You know, like what happened, and he's gone back and said it wasn't. It it was. A, he stood on his ankle. It was an accident. He hasn't done it intentionally. It wasn't a foul. It wasn't a yellow card. So he he then he takes that, but then while he's still down and they're calling for a stretcher, he asks him again, doesn't he? So he, he asks him the same question: Are you sure? And I said to you at that time, I sent you a text. Instead of asking him. What's what's happened? Why doesn't he go and be a referee and look at the monitor himself and make a judgment? Nobody's nobody's perfect. If, if the game happens quickly and you don't see it, go and have a look at the monitor yourself as a referee and judge. Not be told by VAR that I don't think it's a foul or I don't think it's a yellow card. And, and and that's where it's for me. He cocked up completely, and he walked away. Casado, that, that was his third tackle by that time. Yeah, he, that was his third tackle, which he got away with. And 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 to me, that set the precedent that for the rest of the game for Cavana for me, because he he he, he was useless. Yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely right there, Tom. I don't know whether you got that impression in the ground, Ben about how many fouls Canseco was given away, the the extent of the, the, the challenge on on Grav and also how poor the game that Cavana was having in terms of his control of the game because he just completely lost it. If you could hear my language at the great at the game, Les, then you you would have known that I thought exactly what kind of game Cavana was having and it was absolutely shocking. We where that tackle for Gravenberg happened, it was right in front of us. And I was going mad. And I said to my dad, that's a red. And the referee didn't even give a foul. Now, like Tom just said, the referee can miss things. How the linesman missed it, though, I've got no idea because the linesman was about 10 yards away from me. And it's like, what is the point of them? Like, they do bugger all. Like, it's all well and good. Like, the referee going to VAR, and I didn't know that because I did. I haven't watched the game back. Um but all the referee needs to do is speak to his linesman and say, <laughs> what's happened there? Like, because the linesman must have seen it. Like, he must have done. Um, but so much, so much the fourth official. Yeah. This, it's just, I've got, I, I genuinely do not know how any of them couldn't give a foul. Like, I know that VAR c- can't go back and say, it's a yellow, we need to do that. But by all accounts, they didn't even do that. So, uh, I don't know. Like I've, I was watching Sky Sports News while I was having my tea before, and Stephen Warnock was saying it's yellow, and I couldn't believe it. Like Dominic Calvert Lewin got sent off for Everton against Palace in the cup a month or so ago. I'll, I'll speak to you about that afterwards. So forget about what Stephen said, right. but um, yeah. but just um, just sort of concentrate on on what you sort of said, what you sort of seen at the game, and and as I say, you know. When you think about it, I'll come on to Mike now, really. Mm. As the game goes on, it, it, it's debatable which was his worst decision of the day. 
But go just go be, but before we spring forward, which you will do and talk about all this. I mean, it was an absolutely horrendous challenge, wasn't it? Mm. You know what I mean? And for for him to be to be sort of stood on the side, you know, saying, What's happened? What's happened? The next thing, you know, Grav is getting carted off on a stretcher. You know what I mean? Surely, you know, the referees are there to protect the players, aren't they? The day to protect the players and tackles like that, and for him to not produce at least the yellow card, you know, then it gives it gives Cancelo then the license to carry on going round kicking people for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's it's no it's, it was noticeable this morning that Keith Hackett said it was a red card um, on Twitter. Now it, it looked it and, and what what annoys me is all the pundits on TV. Just go, or it feels like, or it's a. They never ever quote the laws of football. So I'm going to quote them for you. Serious foul play, a tackle or a challenge that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses expressive, excessive force or brutality must be sanctioned as serious foul play. Any, so that's all. So it, you can't argue that it didn't endanger the safety of a player. So he satisfied that. Any player who lunges at an opponent in challenging for the ball from the front, the side or behind using one or both legs with excessive force or endangers the safety of an opponent is guilty of serious foul play. It's a dictionary definition of serious foul play there. You cannot argue that his actions, he wasn't even looking when he did it. You cannot argue that that his actions did not endanger the opponent. And and you don't have it doesn't have to be excessive force. It just has to be all. So it, it's a card carrying, very definite red card. And all these pundits all go from a well it feels like or or, or I, I don't think it's a quote the rules, quote the laws before you start. It just annoys me. You, you know what it felt to- like to me, Mike? being there, right, that the referee treated it like a cup final and not like a normal game. So he didn't want to book anyone because he didn't want to ruin it as a spectacle. But you shouldn't be like that. Like, a foul is a foul. A yellow card is a yellow card. If it's a, if it's a yellow card, book them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it did feel like that. And and that's that's the reason why he didn't book Chilwell after about 10 minutes mm. when Bradley yeah. was breaking into the box and he just took him out. Because exactly. it was too early, and Chilwell would have would have walked, wouldn't he, if he yeah. got involved in that? Or he certainly wouldn't have tried to provoke uh, Bradley like he did if he'd got the booking that he should have had in the first half. Yeah, Pete, I don't know. The next thing that happens is they is basically Liverpool then have to bring on you know, a substitute, and and Curtis Jones comes on, and then Joe yeah. Gomez comes on, sorry. And then um, Joe goes to right back and Harvey Elliott drops back into midfield and Connor goes up and plays on the on the right side of the front three. And that's an incredible show of faith from, from Jürgen to push to push Connor up to that area of the field. And he does a good job, but as you said earlier, Yo, Liverpool seemed to lose the rhythm for a little bit after that and Chelsea come in the game and then there was the offside goal 
And I just wondered what the feeling was in the ground. It must have been. I mean, this is where this is where VAR is all wrong for me, because as you were sitting at home, you'll get a perfect view of everything what's happening. And you lot, you've paid anything from you know fifty quid to over a hundred quid, and I sat at Wembley or in any ground in the country, like I am at Anfield every week. You know, haven't got a clue what's happening, haven't got a clue how close it is. And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting then for them, for somebody to come and sort of, you know, either give the goal or, or give offside. And you, you're just completely sort of at one anticipating what might happen next. Because obviously you, you might have a good feeling in the ground about what, what you think it's offside or not, but you don't really know. To be honest, the good feeling from us, we were we were high up in the in the gods, to be honest. So we were more or less above it, if, if that's the right term. And as soon as um, I think it was Jackson who broke away and then crossed it, we just said straight away, Jackson's offside. I wasn't even worried it was going to be given. But I've seen it. I've I've seen a couple of highlights when I got back to there. Just watched a bit on the on LFC and that, and it was a close call. You know, it was very very close. But in real time, looking at it, we all just shouted offside straight away. As soon as Jackson broke away, we said, it's offside. And then Sterling put it in. I'm not too sure. I can't remember now how quickly VAR um, ratified the decision. Or, it took a while, know, gave, It took it? a while, yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. But, um, now, we were convinced. We were convinced to a man by us that he was offside. There was no, oh, God, it could go either way. But as I say, I've seen it. I've seen a, a rerun of it on the telly today, and it's it's pretty damn close, you know. It sort of reminded me of the decision um, when Chelsea, when um, Lukaku put one in in the final, and it was that was another close call. Um, but yet, yeah, you know, as I say, we 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 were quite confident it was going to be disallowed, and we went to, you know, we went to Woody about it. Yeah. Gary Neville was trying to convince anybody, everybody and anybody that it might be onside, wasn't he, Tom? And it yeah. was close. It was close, but but it is wrong, isn't it, that, that where you were at home were having a better idea of what was going on than all those people who'd spent vast amounts of money in the ground to, you know, we're one of them people normally and, had, you know, if we got tickets, you know, we'd have been one of those people again. You know, they'd just been stood there maybe somebody's looking at the phone to try and get a better idea of what, what's happening. And it shouldn't be like that, should it? No, no I think... I sorry, think sorry. Go on. Just before you carry on, Les is right there, because just going back to the tackle on Gravenberg, with, with social media now, people were throwing, showing you the phones on the still two and three minutes after it. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's not like... We don't have any information at all till after the game these days. If the game's live on the telly and people have access to, you know, to phones, they send it to their mates and that. And you just get all the news filtering through pretty quick. So I'm not too sure with the offside what was said, but I was going back to the Gravenberg's tackle then, to be honest. Sorry, Tom. No, but I, what, what Les was saying about... about we were... The... We were the same at home. We all jumped up and said, it's miles offside. But I remember I remember when we had Mike Hamley on and he was talking about about that being a linesman and he was saying about when your hands cross 
And then he said, when when my hands joined perfectly as he moved them really quickly, he said, now say, and it, it well, that was a case of that, wasn't it, Les? Yeah. I think when you when you looked at it, you went, you went, he's miles off there. Why haven't he blew up? And then when they, they scored the goal and then they went and drawed the two lines in, as Pete said, it really, it really was a lot closer than than you know, like than we first first fought. I think it was offside, no matter what Gary Neville was trying to intimate for during the game, he, he was offside. And I think to be fair, I think that was the only the only mistake that Joe Joe Gomez made in the game. You know, like he, I think he got caught by Sterling on the outside. But um I think I think that was for so when the goal was called when the goal's called back, I think that overall I think we it felt a lot like it, it, it was a fair decision. Yeah, Ben. Then then, then Cody Gakpo then hit the post with a header. Um, just before half time, and you know, you you just thought that it was going to be one of those days. The other thing I'd like to say is, you know, around about the first half, I thought Louis Diaz was really impressive in the first half. With his, he looked really dangerous every time he got the ball. I don't know whether whether you got that impression in the stadium, but he really was an outlet for us yesterday. He was an outlet, but he was blooming frustrating. Um, he was getting into positions. He was our most dangerous player. Um, but he just, there was times when he didn't know whether to take his man on or shoot. And um, he just needs to be a bit more clinical. Um, <clears throat> just to go back to your VAR point, I was quite lucky yesterday because where mine and my dad's seat where we were about two rows behind Neville and Carragher and Mike Dean. Um, so we could actually see what they were seeing for VAR. And like Pete said, I was convinced in normal play, that's miles offside. And then I saw it back and I was like, oh, Christ, this might be given. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like the the first half, it just reminded me of the final from two years ago um, against them, which was nil-nil and went all the way to penalties, where both both sides, to be fair, were having decent chances. Um, and... Both goalkeepers were playing really well. And like I just thought Kelleher was fantastic. But yeah, I thought Gakpo, when he hit the post, I thought that's in when he headed it. Because it was like slow motion when it it, took, it seems to take an age to hit the post. Uh, and the keeper just didn't move. Um, so that was a real shame. Um, but yeah, like Diaz was getting into the positions and it was almost like um, they didn't know the Chelsea defender didn't know what he was going to do and he he just didn't have that confidence I think which would have I think if he would have got a goal or an assist early on he would have gone on to be probably man of the match to um, be fair to him though Ben you know like I've got to be a little bit fair to him was, he, he was up against two or three players nearly every time you know they, they doubled up on him most of the game because we didn't have an outlet going Overlapping for most of the game, so to be fair to him, when he was when he was out there running and he was into space, he's running into two or three players all the time, and he kept hold of the ball. and And I thought, I thought he did all right, Diaz. You know, I thought he did. All but the there was a, the game, there was a few. Was, to, there was a few times, thought, Tom, when he got into the penalty area and he just didn't get his shot off. Yeah, um, and that that's frustrating. But to go back to that final two years ago, 
Diaz was the best player on the pitch when he was on there. Mm. And Chelsea were obviously petrified of him. You could see that the way they were setting up. And that's why I think you're right. They were doubling up on him. Um, so he was man-marked a lot. Um, but I thought Elliot was good as well, Les. Um, I know we've been slightly critical of him in the past about playing that forward role. Um, but I thought he did really well. And I thought like the first half performance was fine. Um, like getting in... Like, I don't know if you want to go on to the, the half-time and stuff, but when at uh, half-time, I was content by the injury. Um, I didn't see anything that worried me. I thought, um, even though Chelsea had chances as well, I thought Liverpool more than held their own. I think it was just that spell after the injury where I thought Chelsea were the better team. And it, it sort of rocked us a little bit, that injury, for the next 10 minutes or so. Um, but I, I thought we did fine in that first half. I thought it was all right. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, Mike, I think we have to be sort of honest there. I think that going in a half time, I think being level was probably a fair result. Would you agree with that? I think so. I, I think we, we probably shaded it through possession. We certainly shaded it through efforts on goal, but you know, I, I, I kind of agree with Ben again. <laughs> On uh, on Diaz, Diaz had so much of the ball. It's one of those things that I was saying exactly the same thing about Harvey against Luton, where he was everywhere. He was demanding the ball, he was getting the ball, but it wasn't coming off. And that was the way uh, I felt about Diaz yesterday. But he never ever stopped running, and I, and I think it's a product of. Um, a, a different forward line, different people around him. You don't know who's going to make the runs. You know, Gakpo doesn't make the runs Nunes makes. You don't have Salah, and 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 it's and it's likely that he's going. The you know players are going to kind of second guess what move they should do next. But I was very very comfortable uh, going into half time, and and you know couldn't wait for the second half really. Yeah, peace. So, coming out for the second half, Liverpool started off again as the better side in the second half. And we had, you know, again, a few a few half chances without really, you know, creating a really guilt-edged opportunity that would have, you know, give us the lead. And then, um, you know, one of the, probably... One of the worst decisions I've ever seen in a in a in a football match to this allow a goal. You know when, you know when you look back and I don't know whether you, you said you've and Tommy Tommy might have spotted this as well. But but there's 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 a, there's a number of things really. The first one is that Cavana is very reluctant to give Liverpool the free kick for what you know where where Virgil scores the goal. Right, he wants Liverpool to play on, and Virgil basically stops. So it reluctantly gives Liverpool the free kick. McAllister is taken out by Gallagher, who is late, and he doesn't give Gallagher a yellow card. He just sort of completely ignores the free kick, and then Liverpool, you know, a, a brilliant free kick in, a brilliant header by Virgil, and you know. You and the ground must have been tearing your hairs out, wondering what the hell was going on there. Because I'm looking at that and thinking, this goal doesn't seem to have been given yet. What's going on? 
And there's three points I'd like to make on this. The first thing is, Endo doesn't have to move out the way of, of an opponent, right? He's not... You know, the opponent, for me, runs into Endo. So Endo doesn't have to move, right? Endo doesn't move towards the ball to affect the play because if you're standing in an offside position, you stand still, then you're not interfering with play. And then, you know, so he stops an opponent getting back in by not moving, but where's the where's the rule that says you have to move out of the way of an opponent? And then the perfect Edmund Virgil goes in. So what was the feeling in the ground at that point, Pete? Well, when the other ones in, we were about three minutes going absolutely eight. And then it was, like you say, it took a while for us to to, to realise that there was going to be a VAR call on it. And we didn't know what for. We were all saying, well, Virgil's not offside. What, what's it for? We couldn't even comprehend. And like I say, like I mentioned before, it was only when we started getting messages filtered in through from people watching it, saying the reason was given that was Endo. Endo was offside and interfering with play. And it was very similar, I keep saying it, but it was very similar to the, the goal Joel Matip had disallowed when he penalised um, Van Dijk for, for just standing, you know, standing there. You're allowed to stand there. It's something that you see in every game. You'll see it on Wednesday night against Southampton. You see people blocking runs. There's a team who play in North London who wear red and they're very good at it. And they put three or four people offside. And then at the last minute, they try and get back in. But they're there solely to block defenders getting back. They're not there to to even try and win the ball. And as I say, Arsenal are, are fantastic at doing it. City do it as well. And <clears throat> me, it's like you say. I think someone's mentioned on, on, on social media, one of the pundits has said it was should have been a goal because Endo was in his own space. He doesn't have to move out the way for someone. I don't even think the lad he was supposed to have penalised would have even got anywhere near the ball, to be honest. I just don't think it was he was in the equation. So, once again, it's an injustice and you think, you know, you, you just, I don't know, you just shake your head sometimes and wonder where, we, we keep saying every time a goal is given, pardon me, every time a goal is given, they're looking at a reason not to give it all the time. And it, it's just so frustrating, but as I say, within a couple of minutes of that, clearing up, we're starting to get messages through saying the reason why is because Endo was was offside initially and and he he stopped the run of a defender. But I've seen I've seen a replay of the goal. Pete, and, can uh, I play um, devil's advocate here? Yeah, go ahead. I've <laughs> seen it back. I think it's probably right now. <laughs> I can understand your argument completely that we're going to see it week in, week out. And I think the only difference with this one is Endo is offside. And that's why it was given. I think if he was, if he would have done that and he was onside, I don't think they would have disallowed it. And I think that's the reason. that I, it, It's got to be the only reason. But like you in the ground, I had no idea. Like when the offside, say, and VAR check, like two minutes later after going wild, um, came up on the screen. Um I was thinking, it's not offside, it's still a goal. It's not offside. Virgil was miles on. Um there was nobody interfering with play. It's only yeah, again that's, social that's, that's media when saying. you see it back. Um mm. and I think it's all right for me to say it now because we won and I might have a different opinion on it if we wouldn't have. Um 
But I think if that happened against us, I would want it disallowed. And I think that's where I'm coming from. Like, if, if yeah, so unfortunately, I reckon they did get that one right. I don't know how though, Ben, because at the end of the day, because he's offside, he's offside. I know, yeah, I know. You say, off, have you seen the you video? Ben, Endo, Endo you will out. never see that ever, ever, ever again. Arsenal done that to Liverpool with Saliba scoring the goal. Three of them mm. in offside positions. Saliba being, Saliba being being one of them and goes through and scores a goal. You will never ever see we, that we, ever yeah, again. Tom, yeah, we might it's, not. It's, it's the worst. It was the worst decision I've ever seen in my life. No, and he didn't on, even it, give it, it for it, that. Tom, it he wasn't did, that bad. He never even there was, there was worse, there, there was worse decisions you know, in the, there. There was worse decisions in the game, ben, I reckon, than he that. He never give it for that. He give it for he give it for he called it. What he said on the commentary afterwards, he said it was he was technically interfering with play. He said he technically interfered with play and took the space. He took up the space where Colwell would have been to stop him. He had nothing, he mentioned nothing about him being offside. He said, it, it, he called it. What did he call it, Les? Well, it must have been, Tom, because they were checking for offside. That's what they were checking for That's what they said on the screen. It went well, well, he come across, it, it was, he come no, across Tom, it was checking for offside. It was a technical, he called it a technical. It's a terrible decision. Yeah, to me, Ben. Go on, Mike, go on. So, uh, do you ever read Dale Johnson of ESPN, who gives all the refing? Yeah. Uh, so it's happened twice this season. United had a goal disallowed uh, at Fulham uh, for exactly the same thing, and uh, uh, Burnley thought they'd scored against um, Brentford. Thought they scored against Burnley, Brian and Burmo, but but Nathan Collins was doing exactly the same thing. So it it, it is right. It is, there is a law for it, and it has happened before. I think Arsenal do an awful lot. Somebody quoted Arsenal. They, they, they stand two players well offside. But if they ever score from that situation, you would expect it to be disallowed. I think there are numerous occasions when that's actually happened and they haven't. Um, again, Hackett said it should have been allowed, and Clattenburg said it should have been allowed on the basis that the player was never getting the ball. That, that's, so, that is exactly... Oh, that is so, exactly so, so the block, the, the guy was not interfering with play enough to change the result or change the outcome. It was a terrible decision, awful decision. And it'll never be... You'll never see it. You will. You know what? In, in a game like that where, where were anybody who's standing in an offside position or when the ball's played... He, he, the Colwell would never ever have got within with, with any range towards even if Endo hadn't have been there, he wouldn't have got near him. And it, it was an awful decision. Just again, yet another one against Liverpool. And I, yeah. I think it's just terrible as I was fuming. Yeah. yeah, I mean I I I yeah, talk about your language, Ben. My language in the house when he disallowed that was just you know what the neighbours must have thought. You know, shouting at the top of my voice at the telly, you know, and, and swearing like mad. And I still maintain that Endo, for me, Endo was on, eh, there's no there's no doubt that when the free kick was taken, right, Endo is offside. But as, 
but then he doesn't have to move. So all the all the defenders go back. He doesn't have to move because he's not yeah. not going towards the ball. So that's, that, that's what Hackett said. The 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 the, the uh, defender does not own the space, so he doesn't have to move. Um, but I mean, and and they made it look like he absolutely grabbed him and stopped him, like so many players do. He just stood his ground. Here are Ben. So where's one for you then? Do you tell me, right? How that's allowed, and you know, so that goal is disallowed because Endo is stood there, right? He doesn't move. Yet, yet when Liverpool scored a goal, and Harvey Elliott scored a goal, I, I, um, I can't. Even, I think it was against Burnley. Yeah, he was pushed by a Burnley defender. Mo Salah, yeah. Mo Salah was pushed, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. So that's all right. So we can disallow that goal. Mo Salah was pushed just exactly as the same way. So if Salah hadn't been pushed, then the goal by a Burnley player, then that goal would have stood. But because Salah was pushed by a Burnley defender, supposedly the eye line of the goalkeeper, which was not Mo Salah's fault, so they can't have it both ways, can they? No, I'm not saying I'm not saying they can, and I, I'm not quite sure what the argument is because that Mo Salah one, that that was where he was pushed. That was a goal. That should, that was a terrible decision, but they are two, they are different. And I think I, I still stand by what when I've seen the replays of that goal yesterday, I can understand why they've disallowed it. If if it if we were watching it and City, if a City defender, oh, one hundred percent given. Hundred yeah, percent given. Without yeah. it wouldn't even be any fair to VAR. That, so that, yeah. that, we, we can we can argue about that all day, but ultimately, it is what it is. I still think, looking at it, I can understand why they have disallowed it, and still, that, that's I've where got, I'm coming from. So it, I don't, I don't, I still don't think that was the worst decision yesterday. There, there was shockers. Gravenberg foul. That was worse. The when Chilwell pushed Connor Bradley, Connor Bradley didn't do anything back. Connor Bradley got booked. That's worse. Like you, you can. Why you can I say Endo, and you can think, yeah, I can understand where they're coming from a little bit there. Whereas those two decisions I've just, I've just talked about, you can't. And that's what I mean. I don't think it was the worst decision yesterday. But the other thing I will come to on this now was that a clear and obvious error on the field. Oh well, that, that that this is a different thing. This clear and obvious thing they is use, an absolute load they of use garbage. Clear and obvious. They use clear and obvious as every get out of jail free card mm. that they want to. So mm. that is not a clear and what, obvious. What what, what I'll say, Les, or the linesman, and it's not I, a matter of fact either. What what, because, what I'll say is that the, every single corner, right? There's a worse incident than what Endo. Yeah, did. agreed. You get you get people grabbing them and doing what Endo did, right? or didn't do in your eyes. You get that all the time for every corner. So if you're going to be really picky about it, you could you can look at the next corner and you can find a clear and obvious error and give a penalty. But that's my do. point. So exactly. it's, the, it's the consistent... And that's what Tommy it. was saying. But You'll never see that happen again. But yeah, it, it's just... We can it, talk about, we can talk about another, the consistency. You just think it's just another... It's just another thing... That, this, for this season where it's just been 
yeah, I can understand why Jürgen Klopp is is absolutely just just. I, I, I think he's just also contempt of the referees and 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 the officials this year. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reasons why he's walking to be at well, the end of the season. To be honest, because they're, they're absolutely they're absolutely inept, and they're not just. That just summed up to me. And it, it, at that time, it just summed up. And you know what, Ben? I'll, I'll guarantee you something. If that had been down the other end and that had been in the Chelsea down there, he would not have disallowed that goal. Well, we'll never I'm know. We? We'll, we'll never know. Like, I'll never, ever buy into That's these just, conspiracy things. I just think, no and I've said it all along. There's no conspiracy theory. Look at facts. No, look, hang on, Tom. You just—it's not a fact, though, is it? Because we don't know. We don't know. It can't be a fact did because we don't know. It's hypothetical. Did Endo influence the, 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 the stopping of that goal? Would Colwell have got into to to, to Van Dijk and, and, and marked him? No, no, he wouldn't. So it done absolutely nothing. He, he did. It, it didn't influence the goal whatsoever. So, yes, and I get that, but then so, at the same so at the same do, point, why, do you, right, why uh, does it say it's a, it's a it'll happen again? You know, right, like, at the same, I know I'm not arguing with that point. Endo didn't stop the man from stopping the ball, but still, so it's technically the, a foul. Out. Yeah, but no, but hang on a minute, it's still technically a foul, right? Somebody could two foot somebody off the ball who hasn't got it, and it's still a penalty. Yeah, but you're talking about you're talking about you're talking about. Two different. I'm. I'm just saying there. If you're saying there's no. So what was happening there for me, which is what really pissed mm. me off, right? Is that the, the the guy who's on VAR, John Brooks, right? He's looked at that and he's thought, in my opinion, mm. right? Endo has stopped. Colwell getting to the ball. That's an opinion. That's not a matter of fact. So, so that 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 goal then then comes down to right. Okay. In the opinion, does he think Colwell would have got to that ball? He might have done, but it's not 100% certain. Mm-hmm. So, in that case, then, that should not have been referred to the back to the referee to go and look at the screen because it's not a clear and obvious error. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he, Endo has not done anything to, to move towards the ball to influence the play. He's just stood still and he doesn't have to move out the way. That's that's where I'm coming from and why I think it's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen to disallow a goal. Ever. I don't I, I still don't think it's one of the worst I've ever seen. I've I've seen worse than that. Apart from apart from the one obviously apart from the one that um that we scored at at Tottenham which was yeah. clearly onside. Right. You know what I mean? That was that was missed, but you, you know, that, you know who's played an absolute blinder here, and it's the only thing he got right all week is Pochettino, because he came out before the game, didn't he? And he said, "I hope the referees aren't swayed by Jurgen Klopp's leaving tour, as he called it." Um, and that comment, I genuinely think, has put doubt into the referee on making decisions. To the fact where, if there's anything fifty-fifty, we're going to prove that we're not playing to that. To Jurgen Klopp's farewell tour, but anyway, it's probably time to move on from this decision, isn't it? Because we took half the show, <laughs> on it? Yeah, <laughs> which has been quite, it's been quite uh, entertaining stuff. So not long after, can't even remember where I'm up to now. I'll go to you, Mike. <laughs> so, 
so not long after that, you know, the first of the year, the kindergarten kids appear when Bobby Clark is getting ready to come on for Connor Bradley. Um, and then Harvey goes back up front. And to be fair to, to Bobby, when he comes on, he starts putting himself about, doesn't he? I love the fact that he won. I didn't realise he was that type of player. You know, you associate that with people like McConnell, but he was literally getting stuck in and winning some. They weren't even 50-50 balls. He was just, you know, some of these players like Caicedo and Enzo and and Gallagher just couldn't cope with him. He was superb. I I, I thought he was a breath of fresh air. I thought they were all a breath of fresh air, as you say. Yeah, Pete, and then... Then, then Jürgen decided, well, you know, may as well throw another couple on. He puts McConnell and Dan's on as well as Simi. Yo, and off goes McAllister, Gakpo and uh, Robbo. So then what What are you thinking then in the ground as, as that sort of happens? And it's, it's at that time, isn't it, that Chelsea are really on top in the game and there's a, a mad scramble at our end which ends up with somebody hitting the ball into the ground and it falling, you know, into Keller's arms after a couple of blocks and whatever. Whatever. Yeah, I think it. I think it might have been Unkunku who had the final shot and as you say, hit it into the deck and into the midriff of uh, of Quivine. But um, I think it all comes back to that thing we spoke about a few weeks ago. Yeah, you can just trust these kids. They all know what they've got to do when they get on that pitch, and it's instilled on them right through the academy. It's, it, it, they know when they come on and play in a certain position, you know, it's expected of them. And as I say, because because the, the, the bench was a bit threadbare of, of, of big names, shall I say, um, it, it, no one was sort of, uh, no one by me was worried anyway. They were just encouraging the lads. As soon as they come on, they were just shouting for them, encouraging them. And I must say, Costas had a brilliant cameo, taking us through into into extra time. I thought he was fantastic when he came on. Um but no, I don't think there was any any specific worry. I suppose I suppose in hindsight, you know, we won the game and that, but you do sometimes hear of, of players, you know, older than these kids who freeze on a big stage and, and the occasion gets the better of them. But like you say, Bobby Clark come on starts putting herself about. So did McConnell uh, Jaden Dans goes up top and he, he he's he's not scared to show himself. So there was certainly no worry from the fans that was there was we weren't sitting actually standing by me. Um and it was all as you got from the from the crowd was the encouragement for these kids. So Tom, we, we survived the, the, the bit of a Chelsea onslaught at the at the end of normal time, which there was I think there was six minutes added on, so it was the lads who come on were on for about nine minutes before, you know, the ref blew for, you know, to, to, to signal the, the final whistle. So how are you feeling then going into into extra time? Are you just thinking, you know, the best we can hope for here is pens? Or are you thinking, you know, something if we can if we can create a couple of decent chances here, you know, we could um you know, we could nick this. Yeah, yeah, you always think that with the kids, don't you? You think, well, they've come on and they've, it took them a little bit of time to adjust, didn't it, really? And I think one, once McConnell really started to get in the game with, like, Bobby Clark, they, they started, as Mike said uh, and Ben said before, he started to run the show, didn't he? You know, the two of them, all of a sudden, 
started to, you know, like to dictate the play. And like, I think what they've done, they give legs, they give legs in the midfield. And, you know, like, you know, even if they're inexperienced youngsters, I, I think they're going to run. They're going to give you energy and, and a bit more drive. And I thought that's what the two of them. I think that McConnell is a brilliant little player. I think Bobby Clark done really, really well. But I think McConnell, you know, like, there was one tackle where he come back and and, and this dispossessed Enzo. He'd come back. The tackle was brilliant for what he took him out. It just set the tempo. But I, like I was open, Les. I, I was open that we'd get a chance. You and I, I was thinking like Dan, you know, like you know, like Dan's. He looked and he looked like lively up front, and he had a great header, which yeah. they do to keep the keeper turn on. And he he put himself into the box for a cross. I think it was it Louis Diaz or was it? Yeah. So yeah, he pulled it back, and like you're thinking, he might get a chance here. So. You know, like you're open that we might just get a chance, but you, the closer it's the closer it. And I've got to say about 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 Kells as well. The save that he pulled from Gallagher was brilliant. You know, yeah. like absolutely brilliant. But then you're thinking once it started to get late, and you're thinking, well, it looks like it's going to be penalties all over again. Yeah, Ben. So how are you feeling in the ground? Are you feeling very much the same as Pete? Everybody sort of thinking because the other thing I want to say is, and listening to it on the telly, it was absolutely incredible in extra time when the lads started to you know to to get on top again, yeah. and um, you know the the Liverpool fans started singing "Alay Alay Alay." That was yeah. that was absolutely inspirational to the. To the kids, that reminded me very much. Can I guess what at, you're going to say? At half time in Istanbul, yes, with your yeah, never yeah. walk blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It was the same sort of galvanizing song, and it just went on for ages and ages and ages. And through I have to say this, and Tom will agree with me, I hope, watching it on the TV, that all you could hear throughout the game was the Liverpool fans. You oh, never unbelievable. Chelsea yeah, unbelievable. Four yeah. minutes they sang a lay, a lay, a lay. Four minutes solid, and at such volume, you yeah. know, like talk, talk about you know, like the, the rally, the key. It must have been fantastic in the ground. Yeah, it was, and we've all been to Wembley, haven't we? The new one. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what I'd say about that is the acoustics in that stadium are crap. So it just shows you how loud it actually was, um, and it, it, I don't know. It probably was a rallying call, but I think I don't know what the rest felt like. But in extra time, I was quite calm because because of the substitutions that Jurgen made. And bear in mind, Pochettino only made four. Jurgen made six. Um, so it shows you the faith that Jürgen's got in the squad and the fact that he brought on all of the youngsters that he possibly could, really. Um, there was, for me, there was a feeling of, obviously, you want to win and you hope you win. But whatever happens here now, these lads are doing incredible. Like, And it, I think a lot of the fans were just quite relaxed about it. And I think because because of that, the players were as well. Like, I think there was more pressure on Chelsea in that 30 minutes than us. And I think that showed. Like, McConnell came on 
And there was one like half turn he did. And it's I can't remember. Who he took about, out. Didn't he? Yeah. And it was like it's one of like Gravenberg's ones or Xavi Alonso. It was unbelievable. And he just drove forward with the ball. And none of the Chelsea players did that. Anything like it in the in extra time. Well, like, ben, we, I don't know, if, I we, don't know we, if you got the feeling. I think you were on the opposite side to me. Yeah. I was on the same side as the, the dugouts, albeit pretty yeah. high up, you know. Yeah, we were on but, um, side, yeah. we, we were all saying, we thought how passive Chelsea went in yeah. extra time. Well, we were saying, these are these are playing for penalties, here. Yeah, but Pochettino yeah. came out and said it, didn't he? Yeah. He, he came he out, the manager, Mauricio Pochettino, he said, yeah. We just, we just said, this, we, we've got a chance here because yeah. these are so passive. Yeah. They're not and, even going to try and, you know, it was like... We had the better chances in, the, in extra time. Like, Dan's had a couple, didn't he? Yeah. Like, he had hard luck, didn't he, with, yeah. the, with the cut back. And it was really good defending, to be fair, from Caldwell. Yeah, because and, if he doesn't get that, Dan's no. just put that in. And the one with Harvey Elias, right at the end. Yeah. And me and me, me, me mate and my dad said, oh, that was the chance on about like 115 minutes or whatever. And it was a good header by Harvey Elias. And Dan's just couldn't get the, couldn't get it out of his feet for the rebound. He didn't have it. He no, that's what I mean. Sorry. Well, he couldn't get his feet between the man, the defender and the goalkeeper. He just couldn't get a flick on it, could he? Um, but I thought we were the better team in the extra time. And I thought... You know, if you were a neutral there watching it and you didn't know anything, you'd say Chelsea were a team full of kids. Um, I think we, I think when we, when after the game and we all settled down and we were talking about it, O'Brien said, "You know what?" He said, "You can tell who was top of the league in that game and who was yeah. a mid-table team." He said yeah. because they had chances. Admittedly, Chelsea had chances, but you could just tell who were the more. What's the word I'm looking for? He just said there was. You could see there was a gulf there. He said you could just see that we were a classier side. He said yeah, you I could tell. Yeah. You know, I tell, tell you what, there wasn't just a gulf in the players. There was a gulf in the fans, and there was a mm. massive gulf in the managers as well. Um, do you think they run out of legs? Yeah, I do, Tom. And I think the it wasn't just physically that they ran out I think mentally they did as well yeah, I, and, thought, I thought the likes of Gallagher just disappeared yeah. you know, like, and, he missed and the other chances fella. didn't he and then his head just dropped Yeah. Um, but like I, I genuinely think like when our kids came on their heads just thought Christ these are only kids and we still can't beat them like we, we battered them at Anfield a month ago with our possibly our strongest team and we beat them yesterday with not our strongest team, far from it. Um, so mentally, I just think they couldn't hack it. Yeah, Mike, it was it was sort of some extra time performance, wasn't it? With all the with all the kids on, and then Jurgen thinks right at um, at half time in extra time, right? I'm going to take you know Ibu off, and I'm going to put another youngster on in in Kwanzaa, and Kwanzaa comes on. And just looks like he's been playing centre half alongside Virgil for ten years. So calm, so authoritative, you know, just looks a complete uh you know, season centre back, doesn't he, when he's on there. You see him coming on and Gary Neville's going, Oh, he's not taking a Canate uh, off, is he? And putting and Carragher goes, Yeah, but he's done well this kid. And Gary Neville is just sort of I can't believe what he's seeing. <clears throat> and he's he's determined, you know, for Chelsea to score. 
And um, and then Liverpool just come out in the you know in the second period of extra time and sort of take control again. You know, and, and at the team that looks most likely to score, and as Ben sort of touched on there, there was the header by Arby that it's the post. And I thought when I first seen it, you know, I actually thought it had gone in and gone behind the line. Um, I didn't realise it at the post at first, and I couldn't understand how Dan's hadn't been able to shove it over the line but until I seen it back, and the two Chelsea defenders had just completely shut off you know, his route to the ball, and the ball had ended up in the goalkeeper's arms. And that's, you just think that's it then. And then good play by McConnell and Bobby Clark. You know, Bobby Clark has a shot just deflected for a corner. And Costas goes over to take the take the corner, the perfect cross, right onto Big Verge's head, and it's in the corner. And no, you're not dis- disallowing this one VAR, but I bet they had a bloody good look to see if they could disallow it. Yeah, we we were saying we was <clears throat> we were saying when I went, and I said, well, he can't be offside. It's a corner. And unless there's been any any more sorts of shenanigans in the box, they're not going to disallow it. But that's the thing. You say, I mean, we were all going wild again in the stands. But then you're thinking, hang on, should we waste? I mean, how, how many pyros went off the first goal? And then another load of pyros went off the second goal. And I thought, all that you're thinking here is, what if, what if someone has done a foul? What if the, the only thing that I said, you know, to our Jack, giving it Lexus, he can't be offside from a corner. And I was just worried that they were going to penalise Van Dyke for maybe climbing on the back of someone. But when yeah. you look at it, when you look at it, Chelsea's defending was awful. I think Mudrick was near yeah. the front. I don't think he even got off the ground. And and Virgil Van Dyke stole a march on them, and the header was fantastic. Like, yeah, Mike, I think you're on mute. Oh, there you go. Still where? So yeah, so. So it was hell of a header by Virgil, wasn't it? It was a beauty, wasn't it? I mean, you've seen it now from about 57 different angles and it doesn't get any better uh, better than that, does it? Right at the last minute. Uh, and, and it's quite appropriate that with a bunch of kids, the guy who steered them all the way through that, the guy who looked imperious the whole way through, the guy who was denied a, a, a goal earlier, to get the winning goal, fantastic, unbelievable. Just... And he, it's, you're talking about him, and he's barking there. You know your bit. Yeah, yeah he, um, he he responded to it straight away. Did our verge? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tom, it was it was one of those, wasn't it, where the relief when that went in, thinking, you know, we're not having, to, hopefully, not having to go to penalties again, and then some, some somehow. The referee finds three minutes. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't really know where he gets three minutes from. How long was the goal, Les? How long did the goal celebrate for? About a minute. So yeah, it's crap, isn't it? Yeah. It was, it was crazy, wasn't it? And you know, the, I'm, I'm sort of dancing all around the living room uh, and thinking, get in, fucking. T-. I said, disallow that one if you. If you can, you bent bastards. I thought, pardon the French. You know yeah. what I mean. But um, but it was such a it was such a tremendous goal and one, and one that sort of filled you with immense pride with the amount of you know young players that we had on the pitch. Tom. 
Yeah, it was a cheap, brilliant goal. As I know that's the lads have said, you know, like there was no way he, he could deny that. It was a brilliant side. Key was never saving it, and it just reminded me, you know, like we were talking the other day when the podcast and we were chatting about, you know, when we needed a goal, the captain stepped forward and like against Luton, he wanted to drive the team, and that was the same again. When he, you know, like he, I've got to say as well. The corner by Costas was was brilliant, you know. The swing, the swing, just perfect. Everything about it, it was just a brilliant goal. But the man, as as Mike said, then you know, like the leader, the, the man who was imperious right throughout the game, who was just you just led and and and. You know, like was the inspiration to the young kids to who drove the kids forward. He was just he, ever we just deserved a goal. It was just him. But like as you said, then you're looking at the clock and you're thinking, well, there's three minutes to go here, and you're pacing. You know, like you're walking around watching it on the telly as you're still pacing around the around the living room, like thinking, you know, like surely to God. And then when when we started to waste a little bit of time, you're thinking, oh my God, he's going to add more time on here, you know. Yeah. But I'd fair play to him. We only done the three minutes. But then that, that was it. Then it was just, it was just an amazing feeling. Even like Susan and Kevin Lee and Paul and, and Nikki and, and, and um, Claire and, and, um, a lot of had all gone to the bank, you know, in town, you know, the um, yeah. Dale Street, and we're watching the game together, and like, and he phoned me straight after the game, and it's just, just the, just the euphoria, and all three of them were saying the same thing, you know, like coming straight on, chatting to me and saying, you know, like you, you're looking. It's got to be one of the greatest achievements by a Liverpool football club in any of the finals. You know, you, you we talk about Istanbul, the comeback and everything, but under the circumstances that we had, you know, midfielders going off, players could hardly stand up because they'd run that much during the game. You know, just they, they gave everything, everything for for the manager and the team, and the city and the fans. It's just it's just incredible win. When we look back, you know, like this will probably go down as one of Jürgen's favourites ever wins, you know, like, and we deserve something. Ben, I have to ask you, what were the celebrations like in the in the ground? Was the was the bodies and limbs everywhere when that goal went in? Yeah, the, the way I I can't really remember Les what exactly I did. Um, <laughs> But, They're the best goals to celebrate. Yeah. So I remember though, it was just if you factor in everything that you'd want from a goal, I think you'd actually had it. A cup final right at the end, at the home end, under those unlikely circumstances against the team that you. I nearly swore my head off then that you can't stand I can't think of anything else besides maybe being down to 10 men or something like that um, that would make a goal even more sweet um, and to come from the captain he was like a man possessed um, I messaged you didn't I uh, last night and said if we win the league this year 
then Virgil must be right up there this year for the Ballon d'Or. And I stand by that. Like, he is comfortably the best defender in the world. I don't even think it's a debate. I don't think it's close. Um, And it's getting to the point where he could actually be the best player. Like, he's so good. Like, he's got an aura that I don't even think the likes of Steven Gerrard had because you watch him play and every attacker I've ever seen run at Virgil stops. They don't, they never, ever, ever try and get past them. There was numerous examples of it yesterday where um, I think Sterling, um, Jackson, even that and Cuckoo, when they came on, they all stopped when the, when Virgil was like pacing himself back the way he does in his calm and controlled manner. I've never seen a defender like him. I know you guys have seen Alan Hansen, um, but he was before my time and I can only imagine that he was similar. Um, but he's just, he is, he's the right captain of our club. Um, I know there was a bit of a debate in the summer about who should be the captain. Um, there was a lot of talk about Trent giving it and I don't think anyone would have been too disappointed, but he's just phenomenal. And for him to get that goal, there was nobody else getting that cross. Like as soon as it beat the first man, nobody was winning that ball. It was his. Um, and you're right about Costas. It was a, f- it was a brilliant ball in. Um, but it was quite unfortunate when I was sitting yesterday because the way Wembley's designed, where we were sitting, we were on we were on row eleven of the upper tier, but we had a disabled section right behind us. So I had a wheelchair right behind my seat. So every time I stood up, he couldn't see. Oh. So I said, I kept on having to remind my dad. I was like, sit down because he genuinely couldn't see. So I was sat down for that corner. Um, so I did see it, don't get me wrong. Um, but as soon as we scored, I was jumping up and down and just celebrating with this guy. Um, and he was like, I hope he's not offside. And I was like, you can't be offside from a corner. They might find something else. Like, But um, it was just magical just to to be there. It's one of the, like my dad was saying in, in the car on the way home, he was like, Thank, what would you have done if I was an Everton fan? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'd be fucking depressed. Um, but no, like, I mean, it's one of those times and people surely agree. Like, we've been lucky enough to go to numerous finals, but it was one of those times where you just, you're privileged to be there and see it. Um, it was just magical. Like, and yeah, it was fantastic. I'm going to ask you all in a second about, I'm going to give you all a player and just ask you each year to sum up his performance, what you thought of it. But I just want to ask Mike a quick question. For you, Mike, were you like me in the last three minutes seemed to go longer than the previous 126 or whatever it was? I, I was totally calm. You must have been the only one. I was totally calm. They'd gone by then. Chelsea had gone. Did they have a chance afterwards? Because I can't remember it. They, they had an appeal for... They tried to appeal for a penalty and Cavana yeah. stopped Oh, when the game. Virgil headed it or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. And, and Duke is saying he, it was on ball and Cavana stopped the game and Virgil walks up to Cavana and says something to him. Yeah. And, you know, as much as if you're going to give on ball for that, you know, when it hits me in the face yeah. <laughs> or on the head, yeah. you know what I mean? Unbelievable. But you were calm, Mike, you said. Totally calm. Absolutely. Totally calm. 
Right, okay. And it's, and it's weird that, isn't it? It's yeah. weird. I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I'm more nervous at home than I am in the ground all yeah, the time. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Hmm. You yeah. feel as though, you feel as though when you're in the ground, you feel as though you can do something to help by by shouting and, and cheering and singing yes. and whatever else. When you're There's definitely home, an element to that. Yeah. When you're at home, you feel a bit detached all, and you feel as though you're helpless, if you see what I mean. But mm. when you're there, you actually feel part of it and, and, and see what you can do, you know, to help. So I'm, I'm going to start now and ask you all about a play. Ben has already spoke about Virgil, so, so we'll leave him out a little bit. So we'll start with you, Tom. And I'm going to ask you about Endo. Oh, I thought he was brilliant, lads. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? From from start to finish, he, he was he was he was like a Rolls Royce, wasn't he? From his from Keller's brilliant save and he, the the tackle he got he got in the block from from that just from he just led he he was amazing and you know like we were talking about before I was saying about you know, we we're going to need. Eight out of tens from everybody, you know, like for to 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 be at the top of the game, and like to he was one of them ones who was a nine right the way throughout. He was he was immense. Well, probably one of the best games I've seen him play. I thought he he, he could hardly stand up at the end, you know, like he'd yeah. run he'd run himself into the ground literally. I like and Klopp had said when he come off, he said he had stiff legs, but like. He, 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 I never, never, ever. He, total momentum. Brilliant. I thought he had a brilliant game. Pete, I'm going to ask you about Canate. I thought Canate. <coughs> pardon me. I thought Canate, alongside Virgil, had a good game. I thought he he played well um, as a unit together. I thought he played well. Like like Tom said. There was no re- no real anyone dipped below an eight out of ten. There were a couple who probably were nines and even nine and a half out of ten. But I thought he had a decent game. I think maybe maybe Gergen took him off. Um, was, sorry, he was tired, Pete. That's yeah, why I was going to say it was. I think it was a fatigue thing. I don't think it was it was any other thing than that. But he and made. I, think, he made an, I don't know whether you spotted it in the ground, but he made one hell of a tackle in the second half. When they broke clear, I think it might have been, I don't know whether it was Jackson in the second half, and he got back and basically slid in and made a block and then smothered them so they couldn't they couldn't yeah. even get a shot on goal. He was absolutely magnificent, Tibu. He yeah. really was. As I say, I think I think in tandem with Virgil van Dijk at centre back. I thought that I thought both players were fantastic, but he yeah, he, I think there is just that not doubt about it, but I think it's I don't. I don't think. Um, I. I don't think Jürgen was was ha- would have been happy for him to play an extra half hour because I think he he'd run his course to be honest. Yeah, Mike. I'm going to ask you about Harvey Elliott. Before I, I think Harvey Elliott. Um, we he, he he literally is the spark that keeps us going a lot of the time. He just keeps running like my doesn't always come off. Uh, but but uh, he's just a, a really really good asset to that squad now. Um, he's he, he, it's a bit weird when he's like tw- what twenty one and he's one of the old hands in that squad. 
you know, his was a his was a uh, one of one of Tom's eight out of tens. Absolutely solid, worked, never gave up. You could see he was flat out on his back at the end, wasn't he? Completely and utterly wiped out. Um, gave everything. Can't can't fault him. You know, some some of his back post finishes could have been better, but that's the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, Ben, and I'm finally going to ask you about Kells. Gave a, gave an exhibition of why you know, Jürgen thinks he's the best number two keeper in not only in the Premier League but the world. Um, I don't really know where to begin. He was it was his best um, performance in Liverpool shirt, and I think you could argue maybe not Ebu because he's had some brilliant games, but every player that you've named there, it was potentially the best game yesterday. Um, yeah. I think. It genuinely was. I think it was Harvey Elliott's best game um, by a mile for the club. Um, and yeah, um, it was just... Who did you ask me, Les? What player did you say? Kelleher. Some of his saves was just fantastic. I was worried about him, you know. I'm going to hold my hands up here. Um, the lads who went down to London with... Um, we were like, it's a bit harsh to say it now, but we were almost like, I think we need to score two, um, and I was I was wrong, completely wrong. Um, I think him having the run of games of late has definitely helped. I think it must be being a goalkeeper number two must be the hardest job in the world, but I think he's been absolutely brilliant of late. And yesterday, um, he was right up where up there for man of the match. Pete, so tell us what were the celebrations like at the final whistle? We can only imagine what they were like in the, you know, you know, you you wish you were there, but we weren't. So we were at home, and you you're feeling it. But to be there, what was the celebrations like when the final whistle went, and then, you know, when they when they're going round with the cup? It, it's strange, you know, because you go the game with the, the lads, you go the match with. So I went with um, uh, Jack and Brian. But by the end of the game, you sort of know about 20 people. You're hugging strangers. You're shaking hands with them. Say, see it, see it again, mate. See it again. Just fantastic. And I, I know you were talking about the, the header. I don't know if any of you went to the Everton game, the semi-final. But I think the celebrations were akin to when... Um, Andy Carroll. What's the name scored? Yeah, when, when Carroll scored the header. And once again, that was at our end of the ground. And I think you just knew. Um, I probably wasn't as calm as Mike was. Um, I looked at the clock and I thought, well, there's going to be two or three minutes left yet. And if they throw the kitchen sink at us, you don't know what might happen. But um, it was very similar, the celebrations. And then they just carried on. I mean, we waited, obviously, for them to be presented with the cup. And then they were they were in front of the, you know, that was another touching moment when oh. very sim- very similar to Dortmund where the whole staff, and players lined up um, to face, so tell us, face Pete, the fans. Tell us, Pete, did you shed a tear when you, when that happened? Because I wouldn't yes. believe you if you say no. It was very moving. It was very moving, mate. I, um, I didn't realise. I didn't realise at the time because obviously we're up in the gods in the stands. But I believe Jürgen was moved to tears at one point, yeah. and it, it was. It was very touching. But then, the, then the, the the celebrations carried on. I mean. 
towards the end, um, they, they played Bob Marley, Three Little Birds. Everyone's singing that. And by the time we're still singing when we're at the station, queuing up to the train like half an hour later, it just carried on and on. It's just like this wave of celebration. And you were, you were going outside, and another gang of Liverpool fans were coming down another another walkway. They were singing one song, we were singing another. But it was fantastic. It was it was a privilege to be there at that game. Um, and as I say, it's just you know you go with two mates and you end up with. Well, you end up with thirty-three thousand mates, really, don't you? But yeah. everyone in the vicinity, you're shaking hands with, and you find out where they live, where they how they got down to the game, what they're doing after the match, blah blah. And it's just a fantastic atmosphere. So, Tom, I'll be honest now. Did you shed a tear when they were all lined up together singing "You'll Never Walk Alone"? Do you know what? I, I, I admit I did because, like, you... you're wishing you're there, and you just. And to me, the reason, the reason, the reason I got emotional is because it shows what the club means to them all, the way yeah. they're all arm in arm, and it just shows a unity between players, staff, injured players, and supporters. And it was so emotional to see that. Yeah, especially with so many players on crutches as well as you know, like you know, like down there injured. And but you know what else as well. You, Seeing seeing Virgil drag Jürgen Klopp up to pick the cup up, you yeah. know, reminiscence with Bob with 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 Sunus, yeah. just just even that was just the build up. Something Mike had said earlier about it, you know, that would have made them our reputation more good than anything else, you know, like that that win. And I think it's it summed up didn't it about I think it just summed up the unity of the club and. Just everything. I, yeah, I was slightly moved to tears, you know. The, and yeah. you realise, don't you, we haven't got him for much longer, really. That's yeah. that's the that's I think that's the the thing. And something I think wanted I th- I think it was Nicky Alt wrote something on Twitter last night. I think it was Nicky. And um he was saying about, you know, like he hopes that we win another another trophy this season. You know, like definitely win another trophy so we can go round with a parade at the end of the season. They've so, announced it, Tom. The have club have announced. They've announced it. Anyway. Yeah, it's going to be Jürgen Klopp's farewell oh. to the city. Do you know what? Even that, if they don't win another one, even if that's the only one but, they win. But you know what? He, Nick, when Nicky had wrote that, yeah, I think it was Nicky who wrote it yesterday, and I was thinking that, you know, because there's going to be millions there. Mm. You will not get... You'll have to you'll have to extend the tour, you know, like uh, of how far it goes. Because do, do you know what? Just for him, the just for him to, to for the people who are not going to be lucky enough to uh, to be at the match to say goodbye, you know, like that the, the, the people from the city and what he means to the people, the Liverpool supporters. I think it's going to be a tremendous thing, you know. The probably so, move uh, entities. Yeah, Ben, were you moved to tears, Jordan, that you'll never walk alone? Oh, yeah, that yeah. and more. Like, I mean, yeah. honest, Les, I'm a softie anyway. Um, yeah. And whenever we win anything, I always shed a tear. Um, and I, th- I think for me, um, there's obviously the Jürgen factor, which doesn't help, because, my God, do I love that man. Um, but it's just, it's being there with my dad. Like, it's so hard to get a ticket now. You never yeah. know. 
you just never know when you're going to go to one again. And like, you think like with me and my dad, football is what we do. So like all of my memories with my dad is about yeah. Liverpool. And you know, you, you, this is what it's about. It's like following your club and seeing them lift a trophy. I don't care if it's the Carabao Cup or whatever. You, you can't put a price on those memories. So yeah, too right. I shed a tear. Um, I shed a tear when uh, Van Dijk scored. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like when I was celebrating, I had tears in my eyes then. Um, yeah. So yeah, like watching, um, I couldn't really see the trophy lift. You can see it on the screen. I was right opposite it, but it's just so bloody far away. I could see that both of them were lifting it. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't so much during You'll Never Walk Alone. It was just everything else um, that got to me, to be honest. Yeah, Mike, you can't lie because you sent me a text. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was it was very weepy. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, but but I'm a big softie as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've weeped at every flipping um, um, trophy that we've won, and there's been a lot lately. So uh, yeah. So yeah. right, I'm gonna go and ask you now for your player of the match. So I'll start with I'll start with you, Tom. Oh, Virgil van Dijk, Les, but uh, honourable mention, honourable mention to Keller. I thought, like, on another day, if if Big Virgil hadn't played the game, one of the games of his life, I, I, he probably there would have been a, a case for Keller. So I've won the man of the match, but it has to be Big Virgil. I think, Les, we need to we need to ask Tom again because I think we need to have a, a player of the match and a young player of the match. Yeah, yeah no, that's good a good idea. One. Go on, let's who's your young player of the match then? Do you know me young player of the match? I, it would have been Connor Bradley because I, I, I thought Connor had a brilliant game and the way you switched and he just he just done everything. But I'm going to give it to McConnell because I think, do you know what? I think I think there's something special about that lad. I think he's going to be something something really special that lad. Pete, so you've got you've got two nominations now: your player of the match and your young player of the match. I was looking through and, and I'm thinking there's so many fantastic performances. Um, you know, we've spoken about Endo in midfield, we've spoken about Van Dyke and Arce. I'm going to just flip what Tom said. I'm going to give it to Kelleher because of the importance of the saves he made. The, you know, if I think if Chelsea had got one, I think they could have been stubborn enough to stop us winning that game. And I just think the it's so important, the saves he made. Um, I'm going to give it to Quivine and I think my young player I'm I'm actually not going to pick one of the kids to come on but I just thought Harvey Elias uh, yeah. for the second game in a row he was absolutely dead at the end of the game they had to peel him off the grass and he was the same against Luton Town the other night he just couldn't walk another step and although he's, he's played so many first team games for us I'd still class him as a young player and I thought yeah. Harvey Elias was fantastic. Okay, Ben, you're you're next. Well, I agree with Pete with Harvey Ellis. I mean, he's only twenty. He's oh, younger yeah. than um, he's younger than Kwanzaa. People forget how young he actually is. He's younger than Bradley as well, isn't he? Um, yeah. That was Harvey Harvey Elliott's best game for Liverpool by an absolute country mile. Um, I thought he was brilliant, but man of the match um, is. <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, he's he's getting close, like I said before, to the best player in the world, and not just the best defender. So yeah, he was imperious yesterday. 
Mike? So I, I, I can't look beyond Virgil, although, as people have said, Endo, Kelleher, brilliant. I can't look beyond Virgil. And it, it's so, it's, I mean, I, I loved what McConnell did. I thought he was superb. I'm gonna just just to give him a mention. I'm gonna give it to Bobby Clark because I I thought he came on at a time when um, we might have thought it might drop off, and yet he just literally threw himself into it. Was winning balls right, left, and centre, and actually he suddenly made their midfield sit up because they weren't gonna have it easy. So I'm gonna give it Bobby Clark for me. Uh, man of the match, honourable mentions to Endo, Canate and Kelleher. But for me, the man of the match was Virgil, the best captain's performance I've seen since Steven Gerrard in Istanbul. So, absolutely outstanding performance. Best young player for me. I totally agree with Tom and Mike in, in mentioning you know, the two young lads in McConnell and Bobby Clark, but for me, the best, the best young player is Harvey Elliott, who never stopped running from the first whistle to the, uh, you know, to the to the end of extra time. And when the ball, I don't know whether you have noticed, but when Virgil actually scored the header, collapsed. He collapsed at the edge mm. of the box. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so for me, it's Virgil. And Harvey. Now, just before we move on quickly and preview the, the game against Southampton, and it'd be interesting to see if Pe- Peter's had his pen and paper out tonight to see what he comes up with team wise. Just a couple of sad things to say. It was sad for us, sort of older Reds, you know, to hear of the passing of both Stan Bowles and Chris Nickel. You know, Stan was a great entertainer. You know, a player who was like a maverick type of player, wasn't he? But a player from another club who you'd always used to love to watch. Chris Nickel, you know, a, a no-nonsense centre-back who scored one of the great goals, would you believe, in a League Cup final when he scored against Everton from about 45 yards in 1977. So, yes, thoughts are with both the families and friends and supporters of all the clubs they they played for and represented. So, Pete, now we preview Southampton on Wednesday quickly. So, have you come up with a with a starting eleven or or yeah, or, or, I, I have come up with a starting eleven. Um, obviously, Endo went home with the boots on, didn't he? As did Grab. So, I don't think either of them will be fit. Endo's all right. He's he's turned up at at, at, at the action today with no crutches, no boots on. Ready to was, go he share, was he just shaking, was he? Yeah, is that what it was? What's that? Stiff legs. <laughs> right, the 11 have come up with that. Um, obviously, Kelleher and goal. I've got across the back four Gomez, Quonsa, Virgil, and Costas. Now, in the midfield, I've gone for McAllister in the number six, thinking Endo wasn't first. McConnell and Clark. And up front, I've said Diaz, uh, Gakpo, and Dans. Okay. Any Tom, what what what's your thoughts on that? Do you know what? I'd, I'd wait until Tuesday before I made any what's it calls at all because <laughs> you don't know you don't know who we've got left. No, that's very true. Do, do, do you know what? Things could be 
but as Mike and, and Ben and Peter said before, the way the way Nunes and Sabozlai handled handled the um, the gate <laughs> to get onto the pitch. You know what? I, I think I, to be honest, if, if any of them have fit any of them, what you'd class as the first team stars as, I think they may be on the bench possibly. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't risk them. Yeah, no. I mean, Salah was filmed running in a in a commercial for Pepsi today that it was getting filmed in Liverpool. Mm. I, I reckon. I reckon they're all being saved for. Is it Forest yeah. next? Forest on Saturday. Yeah, I think yeah. they're being saved for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think some of them will be on the bench, though, Ben. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah. No, I agree with that, Tom, but I don't think yeah. they'll start. I think because I think we're going to be stretched, aren't we? I, I, th- out... I think in an ideal world they'll probably get half an hour just to get the fitness mm. back. Yeah, I think so John ben... might play somewhere. Yeah. Who? Joe Gomez. Yeah, yeah, I've got him down. I've got him down as right back for uh, yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, ben, I'll start with you. Then, what's your prediction for Wednesday result wise? Oh god, I, I I don't know because I just genuinely don't know what the team's going to be. Um, I you'd fancy us to win because we could put a, a team out of kids from from Kirby from the AXA and you'd back them now, wouldn't you? Um, so I've got a feeling Southampton are probably going to go quite weak as because they're going to be focusing on getting promotion, aren't they? Um, so I'll go I'll go two 0 to Liverpool, Mike. Prediction? I think it's very dangerous just to assume that our kids have made it now and uh, they're just going to be, you know, rocket on, brilliant. Uh, I, I think if we if we go with a full team of kids, it's going to be a very tight game. I think the emotion carried them on. They're obviously brilliant players. The emotion carried them on. I think it'd be tight. I think it might be just a 2-1 win or something like that, or 1-0 win. Um, but I think we'll win, but I don't think it's going to be um, a fantastic game. I, I think he'll go relatively, um, I'm not going to say weak, but yeah, some some of the players coming back might be on the bench. I think McAllister might play. Uh, I, I, I wonder whether Virgil will get rested as well. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. Gomez at centre-arse, yeah. maybe. And Bradley right back. That's an option, yeah. that, isn't it, Mike? Because mm. Bradley only yeah. did. What did Bradley do about 65, 70 minutes? Yeah, yeah. With Costas left back. Yeah. I think that could yeah. be the so Pete, what's your what's your prediction, mate? I think similar to the other lads. Um I mean I think I think if you asked any of those kids who were involved at Wembley, not even those that came on, they'd be chomping at the bit, to be honest. Oh great. I, I agree with Mike. We've got to be a bit reticent. We can't just throw Literally a youth team out against Southampton, although I agree with Ben as well. I think they make make changes. So I, th- I think it could be a close game. I'll, I'll go for 2-1, but it may it may need a couple of the big guns off the bench just to see us home, you know. Tom, what are you going with, mate? Again, the same. I think I think it'll be a lot. I think it'll be a lot closer than I think. You know, I, I think we'll need some of the, the bigger players on the bench. I think, yeah. I hope Endo's fit because I, I think he'll play if he's if he's fit. Um, but I, I'm open. I'm open that like either Mo or 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 Sabozlai or Nunes is on the bench. At least one of them that can come on, or you know, when have give a fifteen twenty minutes, you know, like to to get us over the line because. 
we it'd be it'd be brilliant, you know, like it'd be brilliant to be able to go for the FA Cup as well, wouldn't it? But um, yeah. as you say, the the league we, we, we've got to have a strong team for Forest. So yeah. I'll go for two one Les. I'm gonna go for a one 0 victory for the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll play a very sort of mixed side, bit of experience. Um, some of the kids to give us a little bit of energy in midfield and what have you. And I don't think they'll let us down. Um, so anyway, on that note, we'll end this edition of the late flag in which we look back on Liverpool's 10th League Cup win. And, you know, a, a Wembley victory for Jürgen Klopp in his final few months as Liverpool manager. So, as you always do at this point, I'll say, justice for the 97, you'll never walk alone and don't buy the sun. Until next time, see you soon. <laughs>